0: Welcome back, Jim Leach filling in for Greg Bishop for a few more days. A few days ago, uh, John Acouli of the Phoenix Center, which is the uh, local organization that uh, provides support and help and assistance for the LGBTQ community here in Springfield, and the greater Springfield area, reached out to me uh, because, you know, as is unfortunately all too often the case, just a lot of misinformation out in society and even on the airwaves and things, particularly as it relates to uh, gender identity issues. It's a very hot topic right now, and in a lot of states, there is an ongoing and a concerted really no way to say it but an attack on on transgender individuals and um, you know it in Messaging back and forth the John had became evident we just need to, to put some of these things in perspective set the record straight Get the reality out there because there's just a, a lot of hype a lot of hysteria and as I said a lot of Misinformation uh, out there about this John Cooley Phoenix Center. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it Thanks, John. I, I've compared this in my own mind to where we were 10 years ago or so with same-sex marriage. Marriage and how it was going to destroy the fabric of society and everybody's marriage would, would, you know, be doomed as a result. And obviously none of that has come to pass. And this to me feels like the exact same thing. It's this apocalyptic vision of if we allow transgender individuals to be themselves and to, to be the person that they are, that we're somehow, you know, throwing uh, everything into the, the dustbin of, of history. And it, it just, it all feels the exact same way to me that we just there's a a political movement out there that says we need to have something be terrified of congratulations transgender people it's it's your time on the wheel so uh, is that how you you perceive it too
1: yeah I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said that transgender people just want to live their lives I mean that's really what all of us want to do and it seems to me like whenever uh, any particular group seems to be making some progress towards having those rights that then they become the, the target of attacks to, to set them back. And um, I can see how you would equate it to marriage equality because it is very similar in that um, people had their preconceived notions of what that was going to be and what that was going to create. And, and you know, we found out that all of those things are inaccurate. Yeah. But, um, but I think that it's just so important that everybody gets the chance just to be who they are.
0: Uh, and, And the other thing that's really interesting about this to me is that there seems to be this perception out there that gender identity issues were just invented in the last two or three years. This isn't anything new. It's just that we have because society evolves we've created a climate where people are able to be more open about who they really are and what their identity really is for you know a long time people just simply had to suffer in silence and sometimes they they wouldn't suffer in silence they would do harm to themselves they would right. take their own lives and things uh, we're we're in a better climate now but a lot of folks want to try to turn back the clock but this isn't anything new this has been around forever
1: it's been around forever I mean if you look at um, historical documents I mean there even with the Native Americans there's a, um, a term called two-spirited um, which refers to transgender people um, and we can see it documented back in various cultures. Uh, so no, it's nothing new. And I've had the wonderful opportunity of working with um, hundreds of transgender people in my term at the at the Phoenix Center and I can tell you I've seen people you know very young uh, who are identifying as transgender but people in their 70s and 80s who in their time of wanting to be who they they were nobody talked about being transgender and some some of them didn't even have the terminology for it they just knew they had the feelings and so I think we're seeing more about it now because of the because of uh, you know social networking and and the media bringing to light people who have transitioned a lot of
0: this is being put in in the context now of children, and that we have to protect children so that they are not mutilated or they are not, uh, you know, indoctrinated in into something or another. Here, talk a bit about that in terms of what we know about gender identity, even in very young children. Mm-hmm. You know, is, is this something that's being foisted upon kids, or is this something that they they know themselves what, what's going on? Uh, kids know this themselves.
1: I mean, I hear all the time, "How could this person possibly know this?" They're only you know 10 or 15 or 30 or whatever um, and I think that the important thing to, to recognize is that even child psychology will will show us that um, our gender identity is something that is known to us very early on like around age four um, now do people have an understanding of being transgender at age four it's unlikely but parents do sometimes see indications that their child may be experiencing some sort of feelings based on you know things related to their toys or their the way they want want to dress or things like that. But um, the thing for me that, um, you know, that, that is so important in what you just said is that, you know, there's there's kind of a, um, um, a, a, a time when a child is going to express those feelings, whether they're five years old or they're 15 or whenever. At that point in time, the reaction of the parents is so critical, and it seems to me like the parents who are being supportive of their children, which we would hope they would be, are the parents that are being ostracized for, you know, letting them be who they are. Um, and then as far as the um, mutilating and things like that, I mean, if you understand um, the the whole concept of medical transitioning, um, medical best practices show that there are no surgeries that are being done on children, that's all done by with adults if they choose to do that and not everyone chooses to do that so there's nothing really that's happening with children other than the fact that parents are you know either being supportive or they're not and if we have parents who are not being supportive then we have kids who are isolating and and being becoming depressed and then we see those higher suicide rates
0: we're talking with John Cooley of the Phoenix Center about these transgender issues uh, and I want to delve a little bit more into what you you just mentioned about parents and their reaction to it because this this becomes a very sensitive topic and I, I know that, uh, you know, for, for a lot of us, we just want what's best for our kids. We want them to be happy and, and people, you know, genuinely are, are concerned. It's like, you know, is this really the best thing? Might it just be a passing phase? Is it something that people think is just trendy today? Mm-hmm. You know, is this something I need to pursue and follow? And so what what is the, the best thing for parents to do when these issues do come up and, and they will for an an awful lot of people,
1: right? And I, I think that um, the the thing is that um, you know when people say to me how could people possibly know that they're transgender or that they're gay or that they're lesbian you know I I throw that kind of back to people and say was there ever a point in in your life where you questioned your gender identity or your sexual orientation and for most people the answer to that is no because you fall in the norm you fall in the 99 percent of people who are not transgender or the you know 90 plus percent of people who are not gay or lesbian Um, but for people who fit into those categories there is a sense of disconnect and and so that that is kind of a maker break thing when kids decide to come out to parents, because at that point, if they're accepted and they can be who they are and be who they are, particularly at home, that is a huge piece of moving forward and having some self-esteem and having that support but if they're not then they may they may never talk about it again or they may fall into like the like I said the isolation or they may reach out to someone at school for for support where they're not getting that at home
0: uh, another uh, thing that becomes this sort of um, uh, tripwire for people is on the whole question of pronouns and uh, you know it, it we all feel like oh it was so simple when I was growing up it, it was just he and she and that that was all you had to think about, and even uh, people like myself—I uh, consider myself a, an ally in, in this effort—and yet I still find myself now thinking, "Oh gosh, am I going to you know use the wrong pronoun?" And I don't—I don't, sure. don't want to you know intentionally uh, misgender somebody. I don't want to intentionally make them uncomfortable. But you know, just I'm not always necessarily sure how to proceed. And I think that that really makes this uh, a, a sensitive issue for a lot of people too. Even people who want to be sympathetic, but it's like, but I'm just—I'm just terrified I'm going to do the wrong thing.
1: Yeah. Um, And I think that people really worry too much about that for a couple reasons. One, there aren't, if you look at it in terms of the number of people where um, you may use the wrong pronoun, the, the numbers are relatively small, but what I always say is, if you're not sure and you're meeting somebody for the first time, you know, I, I frequently say, "Hey, my name's johnna Cooley. My pronouns are she/her. How about you?" And then I know from the get-go who I'm talking to. And if they're comfortable telling me, great. And they may not even tell me, um, you know, who they, how they truly identify. But at least I'm on the same page with them and having that conversation.
0: And of course, the good news is too, when you're talking to somebody, the pronouns generally you. So that yeah. you know, that also makes it a little bit easier too. Yeah. Uh, what we're seeing now, of course. It, It's not just how do parents cope with this within their own house. Now it's outside influences wanting to pile on, too, whether it's state legislatures now regulating who can compete on a sports team or who can use what public restroom. Mm -hmm. We're seeing this whole drama play out in Montana right now where a transgender state representative duly elected who spoke out very forcefully about some of these attacks on transgender people and has now been banned from the floor of the House where she was a duly elected representative and isn't even allowed to go on the floor of the house in retaliation for her standing up for her community. Um, let, let's talk a bit about this, and, and I want to start with with the restroom thing, which mm-hmm. it, to me is, is kind of mind-boggling that says you, you can't use the restroom with the uh, the uh, gender identity that you feel comfortable with, even though, and, and I was thinking about this in nearly six decades of using public restrooms, I can't think of a time when I'd ever actually seen anybody else's private business at any time. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, what is the problem they're trying to solve here?
1: This whole thing kind of makes me laugh because, um, first of all, we are so caught up in who's using our bathrooms. You know, you go to other countries, they don't even have gendered bathrooms. But, um, you know, with with these laws, the the thing that I look at is that clearly the people who are creating these um, really don't have an understanding of what it means to be transgender, because their assumption is that you can tell by looking if someone is transgender. And, and what I see is that that's typically not the case. And so what you're going to have is, you know, someone who identifies as female, who has male biology, who is going to be forced to go into a male restroom, who's going to look very out of place, who's going to potentially be at risk for, you know, violence or uh, or harassment or, or whatever. Um, and I think that um, we're going to cause way more problems with things like that than we would if we if we just let people do what they're comfortable with.
0: What about the sports team issue? And this has been a big push. One of our local members of Congress, Mary Miller, has made this one of her big issues, that we Mm -hmm. have to protect women and girls from the onslaught of transgender athletes coming in and taking over their sports. Is there any validity at all to these concerns?
1: No, because when we look at the laws related to high school sports and like the IHSA, there's already policies in place that that protect kids. So for example, if I am biologically male and I identify as female, which seems to be the the most concerning for people with males potentially having, you know, advantages or being stronger or bigger or whatever, um, then as a transgender student, I would need to apply to the IHSA to play in a sport. And then it's evaluated as to whether or not I have any, uh, advantage over other people other individuals in that sport and then they make the decision as to whether or not I can play so just to think that all these people are gonna you know bombard the fields in the courts that are gonna take over and and hurt you know girls or whatever the case might be is is ridiculous there's already things in place to make sure that doesn't happen
0: there there have been uh, anecdotal stories of like at the college level of a, a biologically born male who is Is now you know identifies as female and you know uh, beating the competition in a swimming competition or a track competition things like that so these things do happen I guess right
1: sure they do happen but I'm just saying as far as it seems like a lot of the concern has to do with minors and so I'm just saying within the schools the the high schools the middle schools there are there are things in place and uh, as far as the colleges are concerned you know that that there has been some situations that ha- that have arisen, and maybe they need to look at at, at how they address that. I, I don't know, but I don't think that we can make a blanket law or statement that is going to be um, that's going to address um, this in a way that's fair for everyone. I think we have to we have to look at this case by case, which is what which is what is happening in, with the IHSA.
0: What are the resources here locally for uh, a, a child, a, even a young adult, who is, you know, dealing with these gender identity issues? Is our medical community, you know, uh, at, at the level it should be to uh, to address these, both from a, a physical and a psychological standpoint? Mm-hmm. What other support services and resources are available out there locally?
1: We are very fortunate. Um, you know, for years we saw people traveling to Chicago and, and, and various other places that were quite a distance away to get services and in the last few years we have been very fortunate um, in uh, 20 21 SIU School of Medicine opened the gender equity clinic. And so they see people, patients of all ages, and um, it's just an open and welcoming environment where they have individuals who specialize in transgender medical care, but also just um, welcome and opening care for LGBT people in general. Um, And so that is an asset that we have. And then at the Phoenix Center, we have various support groups and social groups and and activities to bring people together. Uh, We do a lot of of work in the in the school districts to try to support LGBT students and and work with them um, on getting access to to care and and trying to help them you know Process some of the feelings that they're having,
0: Johnna Cooley with the Phoenix Center. I really appreciate your perspective on all of this. Anything else you want to make sure people understand about this issue?
1: The only thing I can think of is that you know I I just feel like um, people get so caught up in like you said who's in the bathroom and who's doing this and who's doing that and I think that if people were just um, open to say to see that transgender people are just. Like everybody else and they just want to live their lives. They're not trying to, you know, create chaos or uh, as a matter of fact, they're the ones that are, are mostly fearful of people to go into the restrooms or to have, you know, public access to, to things that people are making issues about. So Far more
0: likely to be a victim of assault absolutely. than to be carrying out an assault, absolutely. statistically speaking. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jonna Cooley, Phoenix Center. Where do people go to learn more about the Phoenix Center and your services?
1: Uh, PhoenixCenterSpringfield.org.